was for myself as I uh, preach to you. I, I always appreciate prayers because uh, every week, uh, the time that I put in to, to reflect and to prepare, I really want that um, to be surrounded and soaked in prayer, if we can say it that way. And uh, I know that there's, uh, there's people sometimes that have told me that part of their ministry that, that they feel like is an offering to God is to pray for sermon preparation every Sunday. And I really appreciate that. I'm just thankful for, because um, I don't want to do this alone. You know, I want uh, God's Holy Spirit to be working to, um, to, to prepare whatever's going to come out so that what I share brings all of us closer to God. That's my, my prayer and my hope every week. And something I'll tell you that I've started doing here the last couple of years or so, uh, just about every day that I come into uh, the office here, um, I take a few laps uh, for 10 or 15 minutes usually around the auditorium here, and I just pray out loud for various things that are on my heart, various people. And one of the things I pray for is for all of us, every one of us that's here this Sunday, that our hearts be open and be ready to hear the message of God so that something powerful happens when we come face-to-face with um, with singing, with, with prayers, with just sharing God together. So that's something uh, I'd encourage you to, for all of us to be praying for. That's just, uh, there's great things that come when we approach God and ask Him for, for guidance whenever we, uh, we come together. And, and uh, I appreciate your prayers for that a lot. Now, as we've talked about, we've been going through the um, uh, program called God's Love Story. We started in Genesis, finished in Revelation this spring. And so we've spent the last few weeks in the life of David, um, a man after God's own heart. And we talked last week about how David was a man of broken glory. He was a man that had amazing glory given to him by God or amazing honor because he had this wonderful heart. And when the chips were down, David even would sacrifice his own self in order to please God. But the sinful nature was alive and well there, wasn't it? And we talked about the broken side of David and how when he... Sin with Bathsheba, and George read some of that this morning. What a, a terrible, broken glory that was, and that there was this amazing heart. And as we talked about, all of us, if we're not careful, we can fall into sin that can be really uh, destructive and damaging. Sometimes it's really obvious, like David's. Sometimes it's just get, turning bitter and angry, and that can destroy us uh, and destroy others around us in the same sort of way. But one thing we see with David is that David was a man after God's own heart, but he was this wonderful, amazing musician. And so this is the time we're going to take today, and we're going to talk about the Psalms. Now, how many of you would call yourself or refer to yourself as someone who really enjoys the Psalms? You know what I'm talking about? You read the Psalms, and it just does something to you. It's deep inside. Well, this is what I'm going to do today is give an introduction. My hope in the end is for every one of us to leave with a renewed dedication to say, the Psalms are for me and they're important and I'm going to dedicate more time to the Psalms. And if we do that, then it's going to change every one of us in our hearts very deeply. Because the Psalms were and are the songbook of ancient Israel. And just about half of them were written by David. And so that's why we're going to talk about them now. Times when he was a shepherd to when he was a king and and everywhere in between. And not only that, but there's a lot of other people that wrote part of the Psalms as well. So I'm going to, uh, as you noticed, uh, I don't know if everyone grabbed one, but there is, usually I give my, the sermon notes and then the church newsletter or bulletin that you can pick up. And I 
included out there, and you're welcome to pick one up, another worksheet that just gives some nuts and bolts about the Psalms and how to read them and understand them and that sort of thing. So you're welcome to pick all of those up there in the back if you haven't. So what are they? The Psalms are, as I mentioned, the songs of ancient Israel that express the inner life of a worshiper towards God as an individual and as a community. And so there's Psalms like Psalm 51, where David is crying out in his repentance of his sin with Bathsheba. It's a very much an individual Psalm that's expressed uh, towards God. And then you have other Psalms like Psalm 44, that is a Psalm of corporate worship. And the the whole Israel comes together and says, God, we have sinned before you, and we bleed our hearts out for forgiveness and for transformation. So not only individuals, but as a community. And so there's times where these songs would, or these psalms or songs would be sung together with all the people. There's some that are for special occasions, like for Passover or for Pentecost. There's others, the Psalms of Ascent, that were used, and we'll read one of them here in just a minute, as the Israelites were on their way to worship God. And these psalms were uh, psalms that they would sing as they were preparing to come into God's presence. And uh, they're great things to, for us to read before we come into the assembly on Sunday morning. So we say that the psalms, here's a, uh, some, in, some uh, information about who wrote them. There are many authors. These include David, you know, at least 72 psalms. There's a lot of them that aren't named. There's uh, Asaph, or the Asaph and his sons are responsible for 12 of them. Korah, this is the sons of Korah, Korah who died in the rebellion. Uh, he was a Levite that tried to stand up to Moses and tried to challenge his authority, and God said, no, that's not going to happen, and, and God executed him there. But his sons continued on, continued to serve and continued to be faithful. Uh, we have Solomon, uh, Jeduthun, and th- now this is Heman, okay? If you grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons, this is not He-Man, okay? This is Heman. It's a little different. How many of you watched He-Man? Just, no, don't, don't tell me that. Yeah, okay. Eton and Moses, one psalm each. So there's a lot of different people wrote these psalms. It's not just one person, but it's a lot of people. It's like our songbooks. There's some people that had a gift for this that are responsible for a lot of the songs in our songbook and some that are responsible for very few, or maybe one. Same thing with the Psalms. And they were written, we start from Moses and uh, to times when Israel returned from the captivity in Babylon. And so the Psalms were written over a span of approximately a thousand years. So that's a huge amount of time. Just think about what was happening a thousand years ago in our world right now. Um, Very different place, right? And they represent many different spiritual conditions of various generations. And I, uh, here a couple days ago, I spent some time in, uh, this was last night, I spent some time in one of our songbooks, and I opened it up, and I just went through, the, there's a list of authors, and when they lived, and I thought, when were a lot of our songs written? There's a lot of them uh, that are common and uh, they're current, that have been written just a few years ago. There's a lot of them that date from the Civil War times, early 1900s. But there's some lyrics that date way, way, way back to some of what are called the early church fathers in like 200 A.D., some of the songs. Go look at it. It's really interesting. So our songbook covers a huge time period. Uh, Because if we just sing songs from one time period, what happens? We get stuck in just understanding or, or we're not pulled out of uh, what our own comfort zones are. Is it important to sing songs from the era, good songs from the era of the Civil War? Oh, yeah, they speak something to us that we're not speaking to ourselves right now. So songs are great that way. Uh, when we talk about which songs are, are, are greatest, and I'm sure the Israelites had this type of discussion as well. I like the newer songs. I like the older songs. 
Maybe the place where we should come down is we love songs that are great, that are wonderful, that take us in the presence of God, whether they're old or new, right? They're fantastic, and they're, they're great and amazing that way. Psalms are the same way. Uh, we, they're important because the Psalms served as a songbook of ancient Israel, and they're a vital part of public worship and contain different reactions to life. Joy, sadness, thanks, and calm meditation, to name but a few. And so there are different types of psalms, and they can be grouped in all sorts of different ways, but we're going to look at three major types of psalms today. And I'm going to read uh, examples of each of them. And so the first one is called uh, the hymn, or uh, some scholars would call it the, hymn, uh, the song or psalms of orientation. In other words, we're moving towards God. It's an exuberant praise to the Lord. These are the type of psalms, and I, I wrote some things down here to share to help us get us an understanding of what type of mood or uh, what's going on inside of us. These are the type of psalms that we sing when, hey, all is well, everything's great. It's a beautiful morning. I woke up and there was just a gorgeous sunrise and my family's doing awesome. I'm healthy. I just went to the doctor and I've got a clean bill of health and I just feel great. Boy, I love my church family. We're just doing great stuff. I'm just thrilled about what's what's happening uh, with my, my spiritual friends. My job's going okay. God is good. Oh, man, I can just sense his presence right now. You know what I'm talking about? Those times where we look around and say, boy, it's just, it's amazing. It's wonderful. Look at what God is doing. and I'm just feeling it. Oh, I, yes, it's great. Psalm 100, and I'll read that. Psalm 100 is a psalm that represents someone who is in a exuberant praise to the Lord. And you're welcome to follow along in your Bible. Psalm 100. It says, a psalm for grateful, for giving grateful praise. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his, we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You read that right there and think, boy, you know, I get that. I love it. It's great. And uh, there's a this uh, these words right here have been put to music at different times, and I've been part of churches that uh, there's a, a song that was that we would sing together from this uh, psalm, and it's just beautiful. Can you identify with that? Are there times in your life where you just look around and you think? Boy, God, you're doing great stuff, and I can see your presence all around me. How many of you can identify with that? Yeah, you see that, don't we? Because there's so much to be thankful for, isn't there? Jesus came, died on the cross for our sins, and so we've already won. That's pretty good news, isn't it? And so no matter what happens in this life, my job is just to continue to walk towards God, and I know that when this body wears out, that I'm going to launch into eternity. That's something to really be excited about. I can, that's something we can sing about all the time, isn't it? Absolutely. But honest question here. Even though you know that that is true, do you always feel it? Do you always feel that deep sense of satisfaction and excitement with what God's doing around you? Hey, another honest question. Do you feel sometimes that God's just a ways away? Like, I know the Bible says he's here. I know that's what I'm supposed to say because I'm in the church building. You know, I'm supposed to say that God's wonderful and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, really, honestly, I'm not sure that I feel it. Honestly, how many of you exist there sometimes? Yeah. 
If we've been around for any length of time at all, there's times where we think, God, why on earth? What on earth is going on here? And these are psalms that we call the laments or disorientation in that we're kind of upset with God a little bit. We're, we're trying to be faithful, but we're just not sure what that looks like. And boy, I don't feel like it right now. Something that I believe is noteworthy is that it depends on who is counting. And maybe you've heard me say this before. I did when I, we taught the Psalms on Wednesday night. Is that it depends on who is counting from half to two-thirds of the Psalms are lament Psalms. And I remember when I first heard that, I thought, wait a minute. Why on earth is there so much crying out to God in the Psalms? Why isn't there more of these, why isn't the much, much greater percentage uh, Psalms of orientation or Psalms of exuberant praise? And why are half of them to two-thirds of them crying out to God? Because things aren't going well. Well, I was young when I thought that. Now I understand that more, right? And we live a little longer, we understand some of those things. But what the Lament Psalms teach us to do is to wrestle well. Because all of us have at times, and we know others, and we see those examples of people who have come across difficult moments in life where they've questioned God and have not struggled well. We can struggle very poorly, and we can run away from God, and we can become angry, and we can blame God, we can blame others, we can seek revenge of others, all that sort of thing, instead of quieting our spirit and running towards God. Because that's what the laments teach us. They teach us to struggle well. Instead of blaming, raging, running from God, they teach us to be transparent, to confess, to be real with ourselves. If you ever feel that, uh, I think I need to pray about this to God, but I'm afraid that if I say this to God that he might get upset with me, My guess, yeah, exactly, Gary, he already knows. But do you think that anything you or I have done is something that God hasn't seen or heard before? There's a difference between being disappointed in sin and being shocked by it. Do you think there's anything that God is going to be shocked by that we're going to bring into his presence? I doubt it. Hey, that's not how it works. Okay? And so what the laments teach us is to... Be repentant, and in those moments that are difficult, to run towards God, to wrestle well. I'm going to read a couple of laments here. The first one is from uh, Psalm 38, and you're welcome to follow along if you'd like. Psalm 38, and this is a psalm of David. Uh, it's attributed to David. We don't know uh, the context of when he wrote it. But listen to what it says, Psalm 38, verse 1. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down on me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. He's confessing sin there. I have sinned and it hurts. And sometimes unrepentant sin can bring about physical consequences, right? There's all sorts of research out there what happens when we worry, worry, worry. Our blood pressure goes up, all that kind of thing. That's what David's explaining right here. And this is, I've sinned and I 
feel terrible. Look at verse 9. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. Do you see something? This is part of wrestling well. Is David is, knows himself well enough to be transparent and say, God, I can't hide anything from you, so I'm not even going to try. There it is. Verse 10, my heart pounds, my strength fails me, even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who want to kill me set their traps. Those who would harm me talk of my ruin all day long. They scheme and they lie. And so his friends have bailed on him. And then he's got these enemies that are trying to eliminate him. And we're going to see for no cause because he's done good. They're just going to treat him evil. I am like the deaf who cannot hear, like the mute who cannot speak. I have become like one who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. Lord, I wait for you. You see, uh, let me get to finish here, the next page. You, You will answer, Lord my God. For I said, do not let them gloat or exalt themselves over me when my feet slip. For I am about to fall and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. Think about that. I'm confessing it, and I'm troubled by my sin. That's one of the indicators of repentance, is we're troubled by our sin. We don't want that. We don't like it. We don't see it as opportunity. We see it as sin, and we're upset by it. Many have become my enemies without cause. Those who hate me without reason are numerous. Those who repay my good with evil lodge accusations against me, though I seek only to do what is good." You see several examples like that where David is doing good and people just treated him terribly because of it. He's crying out to God because of it, saying, God, see this stuff. Respond. Lord, do not forsake me and do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly to help me, my Lord and my Savior. Something you see that not with all but almost all of the lament psalms is they finish in a place of hope. God, everything is going bad. Everything is just, just hurts. Everything is frustrating. Everything is, is something that I, I'm so disappointed with. But I know somehow, some way, somehow, I can't see it, but somehow you're going, to, you're going to be God and you're going to come to my rescue or you're going to forgive. I can't see it. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I know it's there because you told me. Can you relate to that? Here's another one. This is uh, from Psalm 130. I'm going to read, and this is one of the songs of a sense that the Israelites would sing on their way to the temple or the tabernacle, the temple specifically. Psalm 130 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in this word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than a watchman, wait for the morning. More than watchman, wait for the morning. Watchmen being those who are guarding a city that are saying, we know that the tax can come at night. We're going to watch, and we can't wait till morning, because when morning comes, then we can rest. Then we can take a break here. It says, I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen, wait for the morning. So think about this. This comes up over and over again in Lament Psalms is David's concept of, I will wait on the Lord. Our tendency is to take things into our own hands, right? And sometimes that can turn into sin really quickly. And David says, I'm going to wait for God to work here. I'm going to wait for him 
to be who he is. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And here we have another example here of of God reaching out, saying, I'm going to respond. The writer knows that. His, there's, there's times where we can't quite see the light at the end of the tunnel. But if we wrestle well, we know that it's there and we're going to run towards God even when we don't feel like it. That's the great things to learn from the lament psalms. Another type of psalm is the psalm of thanksgiving or reorientation. Okay? And this is what happens when... We have lived in a time of, woohoo, everything is great, we're praising God, and then, oh no, the laments come, the tough times come, that, man, things are not going so well, this is hard, this is difficult, and I'm struggling with this, but yet will I trust in God? If we stay the course, what happens is we experience what is called the Thanksgiving Psalms, or the reorientation. After the lament is answered, then God is thanked. Now, I uh, debated a little bit about which uh, reorientation or Thanksgiving psalm to read. And I'm going to read uh, Psalm 18. So you can go ahead and turn there. And the part of the reason I'd, I hesitated to read this one is that it's longer. It's 50 verses. Okay? And for, for us uh, North Americans, our tendency is to we lose uh, concentration quick. And we get distracted and we look at uh, the walls and everything else. But I encourage you to remember that something the Israelites were called to do when they came together is to read the law together. And there are several examples of them standing there in the squares and listening to the law being read so that they know the message of God. So I encourage you to just be aware that your mind and heart may wander during this time. If you're anything like me, full disclosure and confession, right? But I'd encourage you to put your heart into this and let these words soak over your soul. And... uh, especially since this is a psalm of David and a part of the life of David that we just went through. So David, as the, there's a, a subtitle, that, and the subtitles came later. They're ancient, but they weren't original attachments to the psalms. Okay? Um, but what we see here is David, as he is, it says he's saying to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So David has gone through all of these years since he has been anointed, has taken all the time of running from Saul, being chased around and all of that, and finally he can look around and say, whew, here it is. God's kept his promise. I really wondered for a while. I really didn't know if I was going to make it through this, but somehow I stayed the course and God kept his promise, and here I am, and I can see it now. So I'm going to read it, and I'll make a few comments as we go along. Psalm 18, verse 1. I love you, Lord, my strength. Just sense what David is saying here. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My rock, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have called and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. I didn't believe I was going to make it. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. And just 
Try to envision this word picture that David paints here. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. Cherubim are war angels. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and scattered the enemy with great bolts of lightning. He routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. In other words, God roused himself and acted. When I thought I was done, here comes God. He reached down from on high and he took hold of me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. Now, some of that we might wrestle with and what David's saying here. But just imagine... He's writing this after he has spared Saul's life a few different times. He has gone the distance and not given up. And he said, God, can you imagine as he's in the caves or in the fields, wherever he's sleeping. He said, all those moments, those quiet moments where he could think back on the laws of God. This is what God wants me to be, and I will not chase after idols. I'm not going to do that. Tomorrow, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to be God's person. Even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm going to do right. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but bring low those who are haughty or proud of themselves. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. David learned something very important. Even when the odds were against him, somehow God still brought him through. God still worked. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. His shield, all who take refuge in him. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your help, your saving help my shield. And your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. In other words, God, I see what you were doing now. I couldn't see it, but I can see it now. How amazing it is. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. 
And they cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as wind-blown dust. I trampled them like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the people. You have made me the head of nations. People I didn't even know now serve me. Imagine that. That shows some humility on David's part, doesn't it? I don't even know these people, and yet they're serving me. God, look what you've done here. Foreigners cower before me as soon as they hear of me. They obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. Why is that? Why has so much power been given? Because David said, I just tried to be faithful. Just tried to do right. And look at all that has happened here. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be my God, my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man you rescued me. Therefore I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David and to his descendants forever. So think about what is shared right there from David is there was a time where I could not see the hand of God. I thought I was going to die. I was not going to make it. But what I did is I just tried to continue to be faithful. And when I was just faithful, what happens is God works. And God has rescued me and has given me much more than I can dream of. And I can look back now and I can see the hand of God working. How many of you can think of times where... You thought, I don't know how on earth I'm going to get through this. But here you are right now that you can look back and you can say, I saw the hand of God working somehow. You know, that's what, this is. That's what these Thanksgiving psalms are. It's not this, this cheap, oh, look at what I have, isn't that amazing? There's something deep to it, is that I've had to go through the fire, but God has brought me there and look at all the good stuff that God has done during these times of refinement. Man, God's good, isn't he? There's some other types of psalms, and some of these fit into the three categories that I gave you earlier. Uh, Psalms of confidence, where the worshiper expresses confidence as God is protector. Psalm 23, 23rd Psalm is one of those. I can go anywhere, God, because I know that you're walking side by side with me. Psalms of remembrance, a call to mind God's acts of deliverance. Oftentimes these focus on on uh, many events in the history of Israel. Look at all the good stuff God has done. Or wisdom psalms, uh, Psalm 1. If you want to live right, look at Psalm 1. This is, teaches us some great things there. Or the kingship psalms. Praising, they praise either God or King of Israel as ruler and Lord. Many of these point to the Messiah. If you look at Psalm 22, you see a couple of phrases that Jesus used when he was on the cross. And those come from Psalm 22. And you read through it, you can see that's speaking about Jesus. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever walked the earth, the psalm describes the sacrifice and the, the scene there as Jesus is on the cross. Amazing stuff that is there. And so what the psalms do is the psalms really teach us about God, don't they? They teach us is that he's this powerful, powerful protector, that he's listening, that he's personable. He's personal, and he is there no matter whether we feel it or not. And so if we have a steady diet of the Psalms, we remember those things. We remember that, man, God, I don't feel like it right now. I don't feel like following you. I'm not into this. We read the Psalms and we think, oh, wait a minute. I, see, I get this. I'm not the first person to wrestle with this. I just need to stay at the course. We learn something uh, great about ourselves as well. 
Now, let me tell you, before I finish up, I'm going to share just a few things, and you can find a lot more information, a lot of places, how to read the Psalms. Read the Psalms frequently. You can read one a day. It's a great spiritual exercise. Read them slowly, taking a few verses at a time, and let it, again, the words soak over your soul. You can read them quickly. Hey, I've got to eat breakfast real quick before I leave. I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to focus. I'm going to think about it as I drive to work, for example. That's beneficial. Read them with others. Read them with your families, whoever else is around. Um, read them by yourself, alone, with nobody else around. Read them out loud. Read them quietly. But most importantly, read them with genuine and open heart. Now, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, years and years down the road, that there's historians will look back on our time in history and we'll have a lot of things to say that we may be blind to or we realize, but it's kind of like one of those things that's rained upstream. We realize it, but we're not sure what to do about it. But I believe that maybe someday our world will be known for the time that we weren't real self-reflective. Because I know how it works in my world is there's when I'm in the car driving, I can turn on the radio when I get a little bit lonely or I'm bored, what happens? I pick up my phone and I can start scrolling, I can read, I can look. And there's not a lot of time that's built in. I have to build in time to be able to stop and think and reflect. And if we don't have times of reflection, what happens is, an analogy that I read in a book of the men's group recently, is we wear a mask. We learn to wear a mask. Now, this is who I really am, but with everybody else, I'm going to put up this mask so that everybody else thinks that this is what's going on inside of me when that's not really the case at all. But what the Psalms do is they help us to learn to take that mask off and be real with ourselves. And when we're real with ourselves, guess who else we can be real with? God and everybody else around us. Because if we're wearing a mask, we can't really be that much of a blessing to the people around us, can we? We miss out on so much. But what the Psalms do is they give us opportunity to open our heart, to say, yeah, God, that's me. I see it. I get it. Help me to wrestle well. Help me to be what you want me to be. And they start working in our heart, and we change from the inside out. And I would encourage every one of you to take seriously the Psalms because there's, they change you. They'll change you. And make a plan and say, I'm going to get into the Psalms. I'm going to let them speak to me. I'm going to let them pour over my heart. And I know that someday, somehow, I'm going to be able to look back and say, these Psalms changed me. All of us do that. We're going to be a different people, even a year from now. Uh, let's, uh, let's take that to heart and uh, give the Psalms the attention they deserve in our lives, individually, and as a community. If you'd like to become a Christian today, or you'd